Hello, this is Dr. Tia Barnes, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast, where we will talk all about the SEL, or social-emotional learning, in self-care. This podcast is for educators, parents, and caregivers of children and youth. Each week, we will talk about your well-being to put you in a better space to support the well-being of the children in your life. Ready to get started? Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast. I am so excited today because I have a special guest. Our guest today is Dory from the Learn to Love Podcast, and I'm going to give him a chance to introduce himself to you guys. Dory, can you introduce yourself to our guest? Yeah. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, My name is Dory, and I help to host a podcast called Learn to Love, which is all about helping people build healthier relationships and stronger families. And we talk a lot about self-care on that show. So it seemed like a perfect opportunity to connect. Yes, exactly. And I'm so glad that you reached out to me because, yeah, I was just going to say that I think we, you know, have very similar interests and with your focus on relationships, that's definitely something that I think will be helpful to our audience. So we talk about self-care in terms of seven types of self-care, and one of those is related to social self-care. And so I'd love to hear your take on that. But before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit more about your story? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm currently a graduate student at the University of Toronto. I study biology, actually, at the university. I'm always interested in psychology, though, in my bachelor's was in health science. So we did a lot of public health, psychology, health promotion. And I was always interested in learning what keeps people together. So I read like dozens of books um, and articles on staying together. And then um, with my partner, her name's Bettina. And we started to realize like, hey, we're learning things that are actually really helpful for our peers. So it's like, well, why don't we just share it with the world? And instead of giving people a reading list, we just said, hey, we'll make it fun. So there you have the the podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. You have a website and a blog, learnlove.ca, a course and a YouTube channel. So lots of fun stuff there. That is great. And so we're going to link to all of that at the end. And so that um, those that are listening in can go over to your website and, you know, connect with all the things that you're doing there. So one of the things that I always thought was so interesting, like from the first time I talked to you was this connection to the fact that you're studying biology, right? So biology is very much what we would consider like a hard science, but then you have like this podcast and you've created this material around more what I guess people call soft skills, but we know that it's way more than that. But that focus that's more on like that social emotional side. And I know you talked about, you know, doing some work around psychology and things in undergrad and having more of that interest there. But what do you think sparked your interest in social emotional wellness? I think I was just always curious, like what brings people together? What makes relationships last? What builds healthy families, strong families? What can I do to like be the best that I can in a relationship and in the future as like a parent. And I just found it interesting. I'm, I've always been interested in the brain and behavior change as well. So one of my um, publications, actually from undergrad is on harm reduction, all about mm. helping people engage in healthier behaviors where in risky behaviors um, and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess I just, you know, you find it interesting and you just keep on going from there and you read what excites you and then you never know where you're going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this harm reduction. So you mentioned that it's helping people to reduce in terms of risky behaviors, but is it just harm reduction in terms of reducing harm to themselves or did it go beyond that? I'm curious. Yeah. Well, harm reduction, it's a concept in public health. I looked at it on from the perspective of students who use off-label prescription drugs for studying, like Adderall and Ritalin, um, but mm-hmm. not for prescribed reasons, but self-medication. And the idea behind harm reduction is people are going to engage in things you tell them not to anyway. But mm-hmm. knowing that, what can you do to help those people mitigate their risk? So that was actually the article. It's called Mitigating Risks of Students' Use of Study Drugs. And it was all about understanding motivations for use. Why are people engaging in this behavior? If they're going to engage in it, how can we prevent that engagement? And what can we do to help prevent more serious consequences for those who are going to engage in it anyway? And it's all about defining the why. What brings you here in the first place is really important. Oh, interesting. So is there anything that you could pull from that for folks to consider in their like day-to-day life? Because I know that of course, we have findings and we can um, link it to people who may be using, for example, drugs to support them in terms of um, their studying skills and being able to stay up and things like that. But is there anything that came up that you thought was just interesting to just incorporate in life in general? Yeah, I can't extrapolate the study to people outside our study group. So like mm-hmm. for, for every day life, but just something that I learned from it that I thought was interesting was learning about the hidden drivers of your behavior, like the yeah. insecurities that people have that they don't talk about, but that influence their behavior, their needs, if they're not being met, the voice inside your head, because whatever you ignore in your head will end up showing up in your body and coming back to you later. So just paying a bit more attention to what what's going on inside, I would say. I love that. So let's talk a little bit more about social emotional learning. Like how do you define social emotional well-being? Oh, that's a great question. How would I define it? I don't know. I would say being in a place where you are utilizing your skills to build something productive and meaningful. So that means like taking care of your, using your skills to take care of your body and by eating well, by exercising. But more than that, also like if you like people, doing something with people, like starting a business or starting an organization, or if you like art, doing something with your art something where you're building something Mm -hmm. that brings your skills to life. Because I think if you're not doing something, it's hard to have meaning and you need meaning to grow and to feel satisfied. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because as you were talking through and going through, um, you know, how you define it, I kept thinking purpose, like your purpose is so important and feeling like you have a purpose, you know, on this earth and moving towards that is so important. Yeah. And building something. I mean, it's okay to watch TV if you're stressed after a long day at work or something, but at least you have your work, hopefully, where you're building something, you're doing something with your time because you could be eating well, you could be exercising every day. But if you're not doing something that challenges you, then it's still hard to be happy, Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. So that has me thinking. And you know, this, of course, podcast is about self-care and I'm going to ask you a little bit more about like your own self-care later on, but it has me thinking about 
because there was an episode I did a while back that was looking more at, I think it was focused on Black lives and self-care. And one of the things I brought up was this idea of a part of your self-care could be working toward like advocacy and working towards like creating a more equitable community. And I don't think we consider that often in terms of how we feed our souls and how we support ourselves in terms of our social emotional well-being could be something that's not necessarily you taking care of yourself in that sense, but it is taking care of yourself in that you're doing something and building something towards like a purpose and a legacy. And so I love that up. Yeah. But I would say it's still taking care of yourself because it gives you something to do. Mm-hmm. Something in the moment that you feel good about that leaves you feeling happy afterwards. Like if you're writing something, for example, like when I write a blog post, for example, some of our posts take me like days or even a week to write and then like a whole other week to research. Mm-hmm. But it's like the whole time I'm doing that, I'm, I'm happy because I'm doing something that's productive. And then once it's released, you feel amazing. Like once the final version's out for like a couple of days, you just feel amazing. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to take a break now and then get to the next one. Yeah. And it's just, it. I would say like, you're, it's both. It's good for you, but it's also good for the world because I mean, like I just feel at least for myself, like if, I, if I'm just watching TV or scrolling through Instagram or something, like I don't, I don't feel good after I, I don't I don't know if I'm taking care of my mind, you know, my brain and my passions while I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that links to that intellectual self-care that that was one, another part of it. Like sometimes you have to do things to stimulate your mind. Yeah, I love that. So next, let's talk a little bit around if there was a message, like one message that you want to share with others about social emotional wellness, what would it be? I'd say go against go against the grain, go against the default, because often the default isn't, isn't what's best for you. Like for example, wanting to go for a run, or I mean, going for a walk or stay in your bed and watch, watch YouTube or something. I mean, in the moment you want to watch YouTube, like the default would be to do the least amount of work in the moment, but there's a huge payoff later in the day and the next day. If you actually go for a run, you'll feel much better later. And it would be that it's not easy And often you have to do the opposite of what your body in the moment might be telling you to do. Like, for example, oh, do I have to cook? I'm hungry. Like, can't I just warm this up in the microwave? And it's like, no, that's not good for you. I mean, you could, but like, you know, 15 minutes of pleasure now versus like two days of pleasure from like a healthy meal in terms of feeling much better the next day. So it's just, I think there's a misconception about it being easy, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say easy. I would just say, like meaningful do what's like like best for you for example like watch netflix or or write a chapter for the blog or like a chapter for for a book or something in the moment like you know you're gonna say netflix but it's actually better for you i would say to do the harder thing which is writing at least for me because down the road it, it leads to something better and I think you've been hitting on something that I think is so interesting and let me know if I'm wrong but you seem like you value being intentional. Like it seems like intentionality and moving towards meeting your goals seems to be something important to your social emotional wellness. Is that correct? Or am I interpreting that incorrectly? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like having a purpose and working towards that is important to me. And I think I want to just add to that. Like 
I think it's important to everyone in different ways. Like for example, if someone's in a relationship, it's very important for them to build a strong relationship that they may not know always what to do and going against the grain, it might be hard in the moment, but better afterwards, like in times of conflict, Mm -hmm. like sometimes we want to get back at our partners. We want to respond to the, what they're saying that's triggering us, but it's harder in the moment to try validate what they're feeling to say, it seems to me that, or are you feeling this? Or do I have that right? Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Like the message that it's, it's not easy in the moment. It's not like the default, but it's going to help you down the road. So like the going against the grain, the default. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So moving from that impulsive behavior into like really considering and, and thinking through what it is that that is going to actually support you or support whatever your goal. Yeah. 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 The relationship, just pausing, like pausing and, and not just going off the instinctual reaction all the time. Yeah. I love and delaying gratification as well. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So you've mentioned relationships and I know that that is the focus of your podcast. So I want you to just talk a little bit more about that. Like what are some of, I know you've been doing a lot of research, writing the blogs, like what are some of the big ideas that you think that you've, you know, come across or the things that have stood out to you or been like aha moments? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we talk about relationships, me and my partner, Bettina, mm-hmm. she also produces content for the show from different perspectives. So we have a big focus on conflict resolution, for example. Mm-hmm. And we tell people to think about the mind like a car. So you have a driver and a passenger, the thinking and the feeling brain. The thinking brain is one of them. The feeling brain is another one. And the car represents your consciousness, like where you're going. So who do you think is driving the car? Is it your thinking brain, like your frontal lobe, or is it the feeling brain, the amygdala, hippocampus, limbic system? What would you say? In a relationship? In life, like your actions. Um. I would like to say it's my thinking brain, but I know it is more likely not that for me. So that, yeah, that was the, what I call like the, the classic assumption was that we are driven primarily by logic. So if you look at advertisements before the 1920s, they were largely based on logic and reason. Mm-hmm. They would say, buy this product because it's lighter than the competitor. It's more cost effective and it's going to last a long time. But today you see a lot in ads, like a bunch of people smiling and laughing, holding a can of Mm Coca-Cola and it's like, you know, buy our product. It's going to give you friends. They're they're no longer targeting reason. They're not targeting feelings. And if I ask you like, why don't you do something? Mm -hmm. Usually would say, at least I would say, I I don't feel like it. Yeah. Why don't you do something? I don't feel like it. So that's the idea that our feelings drive, drive the car. And in times of conflict, when we're emotionally aroused, it's as if the driver, the feeling brain, floored the car and is taking it off-road at a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think of someone drowning. Like when someone's drowning, first you pull them out the water. Mm-hmm. And then you say, you know, what were you doing in the water? Why did you go by yourself? If you can't swim in the deep end or like, you know, but first you get them out of the water. Yeah. And the same is true for emotions. So if somebody is we flooding, I'd say flooding, very overtaken by their emotions, you can't get to the passenger. And so many of us say, that doesn't make sense. Like, why do you feel that way? Like, you know, you shouldn't be upset or like, that makes no sense. But you're talking to the passenger when the driver actually has control. Oh, 
love that. Because the amygdala can hijack signals before they hit your frontal lobe in emotional arousal. And that's the big message is like you're trying, but it's being more effective, not working harder, but being more effective. Now, how do you calm someone down? The good news is that it's actually very similar across humans um, and across ages. And the way that a mother instinctually or a parent instinctually responds to a baby is actually very often similarly the best ways to respond to adults too. Mm -hmm. So if a baby's crying, what do you do? What's like the instinctual reaction? You 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 hold them, calm them down, and then, you know, figure out what's going on. Yeah, you hold them. Yeah. holding, you pick them up. So that's like offering to give your partner a hug. Mm-hmm. You shake them or you rock them. Mm-hmm. That's equivalent to like stroking their cheek or making lines on their arm or their back or something. And you tell them, it's okay. I'm here. You know, I'm with you. You're modeling what you want to see. You smile. Mm-hmm. And the mirror neurons in the baby's mind will make them smile back. Mm-hmm. You're modeling the tone and you're saying, I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. But then that just breaks down in, in adult relationships sometimes. But that's actually the best way that you can calm someone down too. So first rescue is a big one, I'd say, in conflict. I love that. But one of the first things that comes to mind, because I'm thinking about this, like a lot of the people that are listening to this are parents and, and educators, or you know, they're also taking care of kids. And I could imagine it being like, I don't want to parent an adult or I don't want to be put in a position where I feel like now I have to like, yeah, in a sense, yeah, mother and adult. And so what would you say to that? Like how? Pause. I'd say call a pause. If you notice that either of your heart rates are going up and it's hard to tell if your heart rate's going up, but sometimes you feel it like tension in your chest, your breathing getting heavy, or if you see it in your partner, mm-hmm. call a pause. Okay. Say, we need to come back to this later when we're calm and then we can talk about it more rationally again. Okay. I think that that's a great advice. So yeah, you don't have to soothe them. You can get them to soothe themselves through going for a walk, running, medi- like, you know, breathing, listening to music, playing an activity like an instrument or something, mm-hmm. talking on the phone. There are lots of ways to, to soothe. Love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about like your self-care journey, since that is something that we are all on at this point. So can you tell me a little bit about your self-care journey and what you've learned? Yeah. Something I learned was that it's really important for me to, for me, it was to have a project, I would say. I think everyone needs a project. Like I think everyone has something that they can contribute to the world, something that they're the best at. Because if you think about it, everyone's different, right? So no two people are the same. That means compared to someone else, you'll always be imperfect because you'll never have exactly what they have. But then on the contrary, you're also always perfect in your own way. So because everyone is uniquely imperfect, they're also by default then uniquely perfect. And I would say, find that thing that you're, you're the best at, that's unique to you based on your experiences. Everyone has something that they can contribute and, and try to grow that because I think it's just so important to have like a passion project or, and it, it can be with family, it can be with your partner, it can be with friends, it can be something you do on your own. Like it'd be like history, reading about history to keep you 
motivated, occupied, and like you're building something, like you plant a seed and, mm-hmm. and it grows from your contribution. And so do you feel like your work that you're doing around relationships and the learn to love work, is that your passion project? Do you feel like that is the way that you are showing your self-care? Yeah, I would say that's my self-care passion project. My self-care journey started by, I don't know, I'd always I'd always do like what felt good to me at the beginning. So like, I love the feeling I got after running. So I was a runner. I mean, I wouldn't say that for everyone though, because sometimes it like feels really good to eat something that's very unhealthy <laughs> yeah. for you. So like, you don't want to eat that. Um, I always liked reading. So I'd always be reading something. It would make me feel like I'm doing something good. I don't know, like you feel good about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I, I like learning. So I was always learning. Yeah. And then, you know, you keep going after, after a few years and you come to a point where you read so much that there's, you can start writing. So hopefully the next phase of this project will be writing a work, mm-hmm. maybe about relationships, maybe about this learn to love project. And we'll see where it goes from there. A big moment though, is realizing like, I can do this because I think a lot of people really want to do something. Like they really want to have a website. They really want to have like a book and they're like, yeah, but I can't do it because I'm not a writer. I'm not like, I'm not a web designer. It's like, yeah, but no one was until they started. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that. Yeah. And like, it's scary at the beginning until you realize that people don't actually care that much. Like you always think, What's, what are they thinking about me? Oh my goodness. What are they going to say? Is it okay that I say this? And then you realize they're so preoccupied with their own life. They don't even notice. Like, someone, you know, you don't have to worry. Like to you, it's such a big deal. Yeah. But to them, they don't even notice. Like, why are you making it a big deal? You know? Yeah. So that's what I would say. Like, as occupied as you are in your own life, like thinking critically about yourself, people are so occupied in their life that they don't have the space to think about your life like so critically. <laughs> They don't even have the brain power because they're all spending it thinking critically on their own lives. You know what I mean? I love that. That's so very true. And I feel like for me and even starting this podcast, that was one of the big holdups was I don't, I'm not a podcaster and what, you know, what's going to come of it and are people even going to listen to it? And then realizing that, you know, beyond that outcome and trying to, in a way, like foreshadow and foretell what's going to happen, just doing what feels good. Of course, like you said, within reason, so things that feel good that are actually good for you (laughs) in terms (laughs) of the self-care piece. And just taking that as that reward for it. So it's that idea of being on, of it being more about the journey and not the destination, right? So it's not about how many people listen and it's not about, you know, what comes of this in the end it's more about the fact that i'm bringing myself through this thing and i'm working towards this goal right yeah and also do like do it for yourself because like this whole learn to love project we have great great tips Mm -hmm. for people like there's people that have been like wow this helped me but that's great but the real reason i did this was because i wanted to learn and the best way to do the to, to learn the content is actually to write about it and actually to try teach it yeah and when you do it for yourself you can't control the reactions of other people but it doesn't matter because your goal is still met mm-hmm. and that's what i would tell people is think about people are kind of scared to do things for themselves they're like you know i can't do this for me but it's like you know what if you're really passionate about 
I don't know, writing and you want to write a book, write for the opportunity to do something meaningful, to learn about whatever you're writing about and improve your writing skills. Mm. And then if it doesn't get picked up by a publisher, you still met all three of your goals. Exactly. And the icing on the cake is, hey, this helps somebody or somebody, you know, enjoyed this thing. That's just icing. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? When you when you do for you, I think the work is better anyway. Because when you write for others, you think, oh my God, is this good enough? They're not going to like this. And you're so stressed that your work is actually poor quality. Then if you're just really engaged in it and you're like, wow, this is so exciting. I'm really enjoying this. I can't wait to keep growing this. Mm-hmm. And then other people say, hey, this is actually really good. <laughs> it's like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I love that you brought that up as well. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely noticed that because when you're just in the moment, like you were saying, just thinking of all the negative possibilities and, oh, I need to make it this way. It's like you, you're not bringing your full authentic self to it. Like you are when you're just pouring yourself out into it and, and just writing what comes to mind or just acting or doing whatever it is that you are doing as part of like that passion, just doing it. Uh, without mm-hmm. putting all that other stuff in your mind. And measure your goals based on something that's controllable. Because if you say that I get 500 listens, it's like, you can't control who's going to download your podcast. But if you say to learn something, there are many times when I start a podcast episode having no idea where it's going to end. Like these are one hour episodes. I don't know where I'm going to be in an hour. <laughs> but through breaking down the topic, unpacking it for an hour, you have this amazing discovery midway through. And then you think, oh my goodness, I just made this connection. And then you write it down and it's like, that was awesome. Yeah. I love that. So that, and that's what I think is holding people back. They're like, oh, no one's going to listen to this. No one's going to read this. It's like, yeah, but no one listened or read anything before people did. And (laughs) the best way to learn something is to get active and do it. So it's, it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So I know you mentioned that your podcast is a big part of your self-care. Is there anything that else that you are doing for self-care? Yeah. So um, having a partner is very important to me. So I'm, I have a, a partner in a committed relationship. And um, I think it's very important to have someone that you can share your experiences with and and learn from and, and talk to and hear them out and care for. It mm-hmm. gives you gives you meaning, like a purpose and something positive that you can do. I also, I like running and I like nature. So you'll find me running or going for walks in nature. I like reading, so reading lots and I like art. So sometimes I'll, I'll do painting, but I like the feeling when you exercise and you're like really out of breath. And then you like get back after. So you'll see me like lifting, lifting weights too. And then like being sore the next day. And then it's like, I did something good. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. It hurts good. I feel your yeah. hurt so good. Yeah. I feel like if I don't move my body, like I get stressed. Like you have to like be active or you're going to just be stressed. Like that's at least what I find too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely um, studies to prove that, right? Because like you're, as you're working through, if you're working out, it does help in decreasing that stress. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more thing is sleeping. I love my sleep. You <laughs> Nine hours, you know, almost nine hours every night you'll find me in bed. It's very hard for someone to get in my sleep time. So if it's like, if it's like a weeknight and yeah. someone's like, 
you know, can you speak at 11? And I'm like, no, I want to sleep at 10. You know, if you call me after 10, I'm not picking up. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> I bet you get to, it's a huge, it makes a huge difference. Like if you sleep eight, nine hours versus like seven. It does. At least I have, that's for me. So I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad that you brought that up because there was at one point I talked about like my sleep routine. And my nighttime routine to like make sure that I get enough sleep. For me, it's eight hours. Like I need my eight hours. If it's any less, I'm groggy and it's just, I'm not. Mm-hmm. It ruins your whole next day. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. not ruined, but like derails it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? Like, well, how do you make sure that you're getting those nine hours? I just set expectations with people. Like if you call me after this time, I'm not picking up. Okay. And then when the time comes, I stop what I'm doing and I start getting ready for bed. Okay. And you know what? Unless you're like the president or something and or or you don't have young kids because I know it's different if you have young kids. <laughs> it's really hard to always be busy so much that you can't sleep at night. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I just say, you know what? If I need to do something for someone, like for example, for my TA duties, like grading. The other thing is like, do it in advance. You know, don't do it the night before. Then you, I just say, I'll do it the next day. And then I pick up a book read and go to bed you know it's like yeah but if the big difference too is you have to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day it makes such such a difference even the weekends then you're, you're, sorry i interrupted you even the weekends even the weekends within an hour mm-hmm. because it'll derail your your circadian rhythm Thanks. so like for me it's like 10 weeknights weekends i'll stretch like until 11 sometimes if i need to unless it's like if, you know someone's very special event. But I mean, in Corona, like who has special events? You can't have any group meetings. So it works perfect. <laughs> I love that you yeah. brought that up. Because yeah, I think for a lot of people, and it took me years to like get to that place. Because on the weekends, it kind of feels like, oh, maybe I can sleep in a little bit. I mean, now that I have kids, I don't really get to sleep in that much. Like it is within yeah. that hour. Like they, they're like automatic. Um, they automatically made it that way. But for people who <laughs> either have older kids or do, who don't have kids, you know, um, keeping that in mind in terms of still keeping a similar schedule, regardless of if it's a weekday or weekend is important. And that's something that I think too many people know because it took me, I didn't realize that until like I was in my twenties. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And in terms of sleeping in, like sometimes I just like to stay in bed and like read or something or eat breakfast and then go back to bed oh, sometimes. That sounds good. And like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you don't have to go to, go to bed at like two so you can stay sleeping till 10, like go to bed at 11 and still wake up at like 8 30 and it's like oh my god i got nine and a half hours it's amazing and then stay in bed a bit longer and read or something you know yeah yeah that sounds amazing i just say i don't get the people that stay up to like 2 a.m like i have brothers and they're like i don't go to bed before one it's like i can't do anything if i go to bed so early i'm like but what do you do anyway like watch youtube (laughs) like you can do that in the day and they're like yeah yeah but it's cooler at night (laughs) (laughs) I mean I know that I know some people who are definitely more night owls and so they are like for me at night I you know I'm I'm pretty much like worthless at night in the sense of like I can't do anything like if it yeah same it's pointless and so I know some people that are like that in the morning where it's like I can't do anything in the morning so it makes sense for them to stay up late but yeah, yeah I also know plenty of people that just stay up late just because and it's not that they're necessarily doing anything but you know what you can you can change it it's like time zones right Mm -hmm. because if you moved 
if you had a conference in Europe, suddenly you would be going to sleep at a different time, you know, like yeah. you, you could change. You just have to like actually want to do it. And then you can change your peak hours based on your, your sleep wake cycles. If you're consistent yeah. is what I mean. Like it's true that there's some night out early morning, but like, I think if you, if you just pick a time and every night you go to bed at that time, you can still move, change your peak time. Kind of thing. You just have to be consistent. That's the thing, consistency. So you're saying a night owl can turn into an early bird, potentially? Yes. It's as if they're on a different time zone. Because think about it. Like, say that they're going to bed at 2 a.m. New York time. Mm -hmm. That's like 8 p.m. Hawaii time. Mm -hmm. So, like, if if they moved from New York to Hawaii, they they wouldn't go to bed at 8 p.m. They would go to bed at 2 a.m. So it's like... They shifted at six hours. If they went to Europe, they wouldn't go to bed at 8 a.m. You know what I'm saying? So you can still shift. It's just as if you're on a different time zone. Yeah. So that makes sense. So it's being, again, your key point of in being intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It brings it back to that. Okay. Well, I love that. And so I have just one final question for you. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. But where can our listeners engage with you? Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, you can engage with me on uh, social media. So Instagram, we're learn to love media on Instagram. It's like one word, L-E-A-R-N, number two, L-O-V-E. Uh, learn to love media. You'll also find us on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. You can find me on our website. It's called learnlove.ca, like L-E-A-R-N-L-O-V-E.ca. The podcast, it's learn to love podcast number two. So like L-A-R-N number two, L-O-V-E podcast or YouTube. Learn to love, you'll find you'll find us there. Thank you so much, Dory. And I'm going to encourage everyone to, you know, access any of the different, the websites or any of the social media platforms because Dory is doing amazing work with his partner, Ambatina. And so please check them out. And I am so excited to like just get this out in the world and and get people to know more about you and all of the great knowledge that you're bringing to the world through your passion project. So thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Of course, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been a, yeah, it's been so much fun. And I hope that will inspire listeners who want to start a podcast to start a podcast too, or start a page, anything. Yes. Because you know what? Like a few years back, me and you were in the the same position. Should we start a podcast? Should we not? But you know what? Anyone who's who who starts one was unsure at one point, and you know everyone's just human, so you just learn as you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. love that message to end. So just learn as you go and just dive into it. Yeah, we're our harshest critics, but once you start, you're like, huh, it's like, I can keep doing this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please visit drtiabarnes.com for show notes. And while you're there, feel free to leave a note. I'd love to connect. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. Don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you to ColetteMcKenzie.com for providing podcast management services for this show. See you all next week. And as always, take care.